Hello, Kurt. Hello. Welcome, Welcome back to our podcast. So, hey, uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, go check out our new podcast with uh, Skillset Magazine, also known as Skillset. We were in the house with Jason and Ben in the studio. <laughs> great podcast. You're like, we were in the house with we were Jason house. and Ben. We were in their house, which is a yeah. great studio. And uh, yeah, I just listened to it this morning and it was pretty amazing. I always get weird when we listen to ourselves on podcasts. We it's, laugh at ourselves a lot when we listen to ourselves. I know. I feel like it's like a certain level of narcissism. I know. It feels good, though. Something we want to make it. sure we don't sound like dipshits. So. Yeah, it feels good. But if you guys are interested, Skillset also has a magazine. Yeah. I'm a contributor. Um, the, the next uh, release of the periodical, uh, you guys can check it out. I got an article in there. No big deal. And then if you guys are interested in subscribing, check out skillsetmag.com and use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT because you'll save 25%. Field of the craft. 25%, a quarter of anything is a lot. That's a huge percentage. Yeah. In the coupon code was FIELDCRAFT, not field of the craft. Yeah, Sorry. not field of the craft. Yeah. And uh, 25% feels like a steal of a deal, is that thing? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're just making shit up. <laughs> I'm just making it up as we go. Uh, but yeah, Jason and Ben, skill set. Uh, we'll see you soon. We'll be in the podcast studio soon. Also... This podcast is sponsored by BlackPowderRedEarth.com, BlackPowderRedEarth.com, otherwise known as Echelon Software, good buddies of ours, but they make a graphic novel that I'm actually really into because I consult for it, so no big deal. And you know their, their uh, IG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can follow them at BlackPowderRedEarth, and in their title it says, is a graphic novel and indie game series about private military firms in tomorrow's conflicts. I'm a big fan of graphic novels because, one, I'm Asian. Um, but if you're not Asian and you're into Asian culture or just reading about cool stuff, because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, I like that. Uh, it's a Asian culture marketing plug. So the coolest thing about uh, Black Powder Red Earth is that we actually consult for them, and the stories they tell are as close to nonfiction and to reality as possible. They talk about contract life, special operations life, and I think it's a pretty cool take on the whole culture without compromising uh, top secret SCI classified <laughs> G2. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, it's great. Yeah, it's uh, obviously it is fiction, uh, but it's got some seriously cool stories in there about Yemen and a lot of other places on the planet where some crazy shit's going down. So check out at Black Powder Red Earth, and they are affiliated with Echelon Software. So check them out. Yeah, check them out. Also, base map. Base, hey, base. So I just went on a uh, epic journey through Zion National Forest, and I use my base map app. And I will tell you that uh, some of the new features they're rolling out, including a social feature that I can't talk about until it's dropped, uh, but it's going to be really neat. the The coolest thing about base map is the fact that you could track if you're a hunter, especially in this hunting season, you could track um, private and public property. So you could actually know if you're in somebody's backyard when you're hunting, rolling through people's lands. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I think the imagery is kind of cool because you could actually pan sideways on the fly and then also, also obviously use offline maps, which when you're in a rural environment, it's kind of difficult to, to stay online in rural environments and stay connected to a tower. But you have the ability to um, save all your offline maps and get imagery anywhere you're going. So check out base map at app.basemap.com for the download that's app app.basemap.com and use philcraft if you want to upgrade to the pro version which i recommend because it gets you a whole bunch of cool features you want to be a pro or not yeah do you want to be a pro be a pro <laughs> with base map by using philcraft 
uh, as per to save an additional 25% off, which again, I can't say this enough. Um, 25% is a big deal. What else you got? <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. Uh, on to the podcast. All right, let's do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Phil Craft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Asper. And <laughs> why do we do this every time? You're the two I see. Yeah, the two I see. It's called an the, intro, Kurt. The it's co- called an intro, bro. Oh, that's right. We, we're supposed to get that yeah. right every single time, but I, I screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your co-host, Kurt, from Fieldcraft. Yeah, um, we're actually in the Skillset Studio today, which is awesome because... Whenever we come to the skill set studio, Ben and Jason are gracious enough to have us. But we're actually hooked up and got our guests via phone today. We do. So today we got uh, Craig Sawman Sawyer. I mean, if you Wikipedia, Google Craig <laughs> on anything, I mean, this this man is, a, is an amazing man. He, not only is he a warrior, he was a, a former Marine, Navy SEAL, has done pretty much everything in the humanitarian efforts and NGOs and helping contracting. Uh, contracting. Yeah. I mean, he's done. He's done basically every single thing in the realm of protection, combat, and now giving back selflessly with uh, the nonprofit stuff that he's doing with human trafficking. And also uh, was you know made famous on Discovery Channel. Outside of that, and uh, he had a show about. Um, um, combating uh, right. What are those combat those shitheads <laughs> called that kill rhinos? Uh, oh yeah, poaching. Poaching. Yeah, the poaching. The magic a, word. Poaching. Poaching, which is a big issue all over the world. Um, and uh, we're we're blessed to have uh, Craig on the podcast today. So welcome, Craig. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. You know, you're actually you're you're calling us in from uh, Tucson, right? Are you in Tucson right now? That is correct. Awesome, man. So uh, Craig's right down the road, and uh, we're in Phoenix right now. But uh, you know, for people who don't know uh, Craig, who you are, uh, can you give us an intro of like uh, you know who you are? You're like your your basic bio because you know we're in the survival genre, the survival realm. But I think uh, you know, giving us your background, especially you know, there's a lot of stuff um, that you've been through, a lot of stuff that you've done. Uh, can you uh, give us the background? Yeah, man. Well, I grew up in Southern Texas, and so it was a rough boyhood, uh, an adventuresome one. We had a lot of fun and uh, playing outside in the woods, shooting our twenty-two rifles down by the creek, and playing football and riding dirt bikes and uh, wrestling and boxing and all those kind of you know very masculine kind of sports. That's, that's what I grew up in. It was we were outdoor people, and it was it was fun. You know, we built tree forts and all the typical uh, <laughs> you know boyhood. Uh, things and uh, we'd even take uh, Boy Scout uniforms and would buy them with whatever money we could scrape together when we were just little boys and rip the patches off of them. They became our army uniforms and we'd go play <laughs> army in the woods with our uh, Boy Scout uniforms. That's on. cool. So, uh, uh, that was fun, man. And so uh, I worked a couple jobs uh, in conjunction with high school and then uh, I went off to the Marine Corps and then transitioned over to the Navy, Navy to become a Navy SEAL and then did that for for I was going to do it for four years and then go on the, for the rest of my life with that as a as a great start to to my life if, if I survived it and four turned into thirteen years because I really did like it and uh, once we started having children I decided to take a job as a federal law enforcement officer and so I went to the air marshal service and there was only thirty three air marshals at the time so once nine eleven happened and the air marshal service expanded I was one of the ones training and uh, mentoring the new agents that came in and stood nice. up the Las Vegas field office. I did that for five years until I started doing uh, high threat 
dignitary protection contracting for Department of State and another agency we don't talk about, just protecting our high-ranking officials in the war zones uh, to keep them from being killed or captured and used by the our, our enemies, obviously. And then I started transitioning into film and television a little bit as uh, as I wanted to be home with the, with the family more. And uh, I just got into quite a few different uh, firearms-related television shows and training military and law enforcement, a lot of SWAT team training and, and so forth, just helping them be better at what they do and contributing wherever I can. And I've got... Um, different courses that I teach civilians on personal security and threat recognition, surveillance protection and all this kind of thing. And, uh, just trying to do what I can to make the world a better place and, and keep, keep uh, people from being soft targets and easy victims. And, uh, once, uh, I, I got a call from a South African special forces veteran to go over to South Africa and help, you know, combat the, the, the poachers that were wiping out the last of an endangered species though the white rhinos were, on short final for extinction. In fact, while we were over there, they killed off the, uh, a couple more of the black rhinos and put them on the extinct, uh, in the extinct list. And it was uh, heartbreaking to see that uh, there are several still black rhinos alive, but the gene pool is so critically small, they cannot reproduce into a viable species ever again. It's, it's, it's a done deal. So the white rhino is in danger of the same. Uh, that was a heartbreaking situation to, to witness and but uh, man i've met so many great people from all over the world mainly australians that were in south africa and, and different countries in africa fighting on that so we still remain brothers to this day and uh fast forward a couple more years i uh i got my heart broken learning just how widespread the child trafficking trade it is the fastest growing criminal enterprise on earth because you can sell a firearm or narcotics once, and it's consumed, and it's done, but you can sell, uh, sadly enough, you can sell a child victim repeatedly. And they usually last about seven years in a sex trafficking trade. So it's it's the worst of humanity. It's the darkest and most despicable behavior I can think of. Upon the most innocent and precious victims, you know, what's a, what's a child ever done to anybody? And we've all been children, so I, I feel like we should all be able to relate to that. And uh, this isn't about any sort of affiliation with any race or gender or religion or polit- political party. This is simply a humanitarian issue of do we want our children treated in an unthinkable way, uh, enslaved and sold and tortured and killed and just seriously abused in ways that none of us should be okay with. So, man, I'm, I founded Veterans for Child Rescue to fight back, you know, and people are saying, well, Craig, law enforcement should handle all that. Well, yes, in a perfect world they would. But I asked them, do they have the funding and do they have the manpower to handle it all? Clearly, you got law enforcement, they're facing rapists and murderers and bank robbers and violent killers and and gangs, and I mean, they're they're overtasked and undermanned in a lot of cases. And I know a lot of them. They're fantastic patriots. A lot of them are veterans too. Man, they're out there fighting for us to defend. And uh, sadly enough, on the news, they're being made out to look like bad guys. And so people don't know how much good our law enforcement officers actually do for us out there. Yeah. They're doing the best, but we can we can help them. And I found a way to do that. So we we can run joint operations where. We run stings and let the uh, criminals 
build a case against themselves, uh, incriminate themselves to the point to where we can just hand them off to law enforcement. Law enforcement can cuff them and book them. So that's a fantastic relationship. And there's so much else that we do. Um, that's uh, public on it and, 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 and a lot more. We can get into it a little bit more, but that's, that's the basic overview of what's happening. No, that's, uh, I mean, obviously a super noble cause, Craig. One, thank you for doing that. Um, I think it's, uh, I mean, I don't know enough about it, but I'm a father of children. And so obviously that's something that I want to know more about just because uh, that's terrible. Well, know. people think it's a third world problem, right? It's yeah, typically right. associated with Thailand and all these uh, sex trade issues outside of the borders. But, um, you know, you, you know, you, Craig, you founded this Veterans for Child Rescue, but it's it's for domestic uh, minor sex trafficking. It's a, a real issue. How, how, how big of an issue can you highlight? some of the uh, significance and how big of an issue it is in America? Yeah, man. Well, it, it, it's huge. And what people don't realize, is they do think that it's a third-world country and a problem. That's some, another country's problem that's someone else's children, but they don't realize that white Western males are the primary consumer of child sex. Across the world, born. yeah. So when when uh, two-thirds of, the, of the, the men that get off of, uh, of any sort of aircraft in Bangkok, Thailand, for example, are there to participate in the sex trade, uh, sex for money in one form or another. Uh, they, they look at us, you know, a white male getting off the plane, and they're like, oh, you're here to exploit our people. Yeah. And so they, they bring third-world children here uh, for perverts and, and predators to abuse, and our perverts and predators go there to abuse children. And, uh, and they abuse our own children here, too. So there's an estimated 25 million humans being sold, bought and sold in a, in a slave trade of one form or another. Uh, many of them are in the sex trade, and an estimated 5 million of those are, in fact, children. Jeez. Best estimates are 5 million children. So if that just gives people the scale of this, I mean, 5 million children, how many football stadiums? Yeah. Half to the gills would that be? I mean, the little lives that are shattered, and it, it just I, it chokes me up whenever I start really contemplating and thinking about it too closely because it's so dark and so unacceptable that I, you know I just I'm one of those that it, show me a problem I'm going to set about trying to fix it. And I've uh, been all over the world. I've been to 57 countries now, and uh, recently was over in um, Southeast Asia. So we were in Cambodia. Thailand and the Philippines, meeting with their law enforcement officials, working with other NGOs who go in and, and do what we call soft rescues. They go into the bars and brothels and identify underage boys and girls that are there under duress that do not want to be there. And they help uh, work them out of there and, and, uh, and conduct what we, again, what we refer to as a soft rescue. There's no necessarily door kicking and unchaining of these people. A lot of these uh, people in Asia are there at a financial duress because their families have sold them into it or they they feel like they have to do it to send the money to their parents or they've been blackmailed or otherwise coerced and they don't want to be there. They're not happy. And so and it's a, it's a big-scale problem. And I think it, the awareness is the key. You know, uh, the, being from a covert operational background, I realized that one of the worst things that happens uh, to an operator 
is that they get compromised on a, on a mission. You're halfway around the world, you're in hostile territory, so you've got to sneak you in there and make a positive effect for, for the United States and get back out of there alive. Well, if the bad guys, if the locals know that you're there, uh, you're, you're going to have trouble, right? Because there's millions of them and there's only a few of you. And we call that mission compromise. And what I want to do, essentially, is compromise the mission of the child trafficker here in the United States. Because, guys, the reason they're getting away with it, the reason it's grown so prevalent and pervasive here is because they enjoy the veil of secrecy. And, and it's, it's very creepy to see how little the media will report, how little the media will admit what's going on and how little the media will report on even the successes and the thousands of arrests that are going on under this new administration. Mm -hmm. So clearly there's a concerted and coordinated effort and we can speculate on what all's behind it. But the fact is the bad guys are enjoying cover of secrecy. And my, my mission guys is to expose that. And I think the best way to inform the American citizens is to show them through a very high quality and revealing documentary and just go, Hey, look here for better or worse. Here's what's really happening and show them in a way that they can understand. And uh, so that they no longer turn away. And by doing that, we can ignite 320 million Americans and recruit them to stand up with us so that as Americans, we have a more decent and more safe society so that we don't, shatter the minds of millions of our next generation anymore and cause them to be traumatic victims that 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 are that are so fragile that they can't face problems and they can't be effective in healthy relationships and their their lives are undermined and uh and made uh less than than what they should be you know i i'm I'm out to not rescue a kid or two here and there i'm out to rescue all of them We've got to make a cultural change so this stops happening. It's a scale of millions. And so once people understand that about my mission statement and what, I, what I'm about and what I'm trying to do here, they understand why the documentary aspect of it is so important. That's how you really multiply the effect and get the word out to, to the countless millions. Yeah, that's that's an amazing an amazing uh, uh, cause that you've actually – uh, you know, you've you've you st- you stand behind it, and then you developed it, and you're you're executing a plan of action and doing something about it, and that's a a noble cause indeed. And I, and I appreciate you for that because you know me and Kurt have dealt with other organizations, uh, and and the one thing that's common is this you know translation or transition from your experiences and and you know even talking about how you know covert, covert operations and how you look at it and exploit the potential bad guys. That's a skill set you developed over years and decades of training. You know whether it was the military training, the government training, you know the federal government and the uh, contracting. You developed all these skill sets that could actually, you know, you know, can translate, be used, you yeah. know, translate and be used for good to augment all these law enforcement agencies that are dealing with this systemic problem yeah. and they're overwhelmed. They don't have the budgets, they don't have the capacity, and then you're able to do that and you're able to do it smartly. What are just talk to me, Craig, about a couple of tactics. What are a couple of tactics that you utilize, uh, without obviously without giving away your TTPs? Your TTPs yeah. But uh, you know, what are some of the, some of the things that you guys are doing that's having a great effect on uh, on on changing this? One one I, I've you know just talking about it. You uh, bring you it more it, awareness, but awareness yeah. is a huge one. 
Yeah, look, you guys get it, man. You're all about survival with Fieldcraft Survival, so you know, and I'm sure you've been out there pounding people. Look, you've got to recognize what'll kill you if you want to survive. Yep, absolutely. Whether it's uh, what to eat or how to make shelter or or, or survival in an urban environment and, and the predators that are out there, you've got to recognize whatever it is that's the threat. So what I'm about is, in one capacity or another, throughout my entire adult life has been defending the defenseless. Mm-hmm. And part of that is alerting people to that which will kill them. And, and, and it can also take their freedom and liberty, which really kills the life that they were going to have. So I think situational awareness, threat recognition, what's going on with child trafficking, and what does it look like? So people have to understand who is it that's hanging around their children. Predators, we've, not, we've learned now, work themselves into official positions to have access to children. So it pains me, guys, but it's the truth, so I have to say this. People that we have trusted uh, traditionally in official positions, we must now trust but verify. We must n- never again leave them alone with our children unsupervised. Pick up, pick a profession there. And, and again, it pains me to say it because there's only a percentage that have been corrupted. And most people I still believe are good, but there have been, uh, babysitters, people in churches, people, even people in law enforcement, mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. Uh, in any official position to be alone with children have abused that authority and that privilege. And we just, as, as a society, as a culture, we've got to put checks and balances in so that we, we put a stop to that. And that, that'll, that'll be good in numerous ways. It'll, it'll, it'll protect the victims and it'll also protect the innocent, uh, people in, in professional positions who might otherwise be suspected and accused of things that they have not done. So it protects the innocent guys and it protects the innocent children. I think just by having the, that oversight and checks and balances will be a good thing. So let's, let's look at with children. We lock our doors on our vehicles. We lock our, put our garage doors down. We lock our windows and the front and back doors of our homes and the windows in our houses. And we go, back to our bedrooms and we assume that we are safe and that our children are in their rooms safe but we might as well guys we might as well have left the window to our children's rooms wide open because the children are in there with their cell phone on these apps that they don't know what the apps do they think it's oh it's just a little play app and i'm going to take pictures of myself and put bunny ears and i'm going to play with my friend my online friend it's just another child it's just playing with me and they don't understand some of these kids are only third graders they've got their own cell phones they don't understand that the child that they think they're playing with is really a creepy adult predator pretending to be a child through some app and the children are vulnerable these adults are asking and getting videos and photographs of our children they're talking them into giving up information and putting the children in harm's way. They lure them off the playground. They lure them out of the homes. They lure them into harm's way. They blackmail them with these videos and saying, okay, now I have this video of you that's inappropriate. And if you don't do what I say, I'm going to tell your mommy and daddy and you're going to be in big trouble or I'm going to hurt your family. And guys, it's unthinkable. It's horrible. And our children are being preyed upon through this. So on our website, vetsforchildrescue.org, we've got a list of apps 
to have no business being on any child's phone. And I urge you to go there. You can see what the apps are, and you can go, and you must assert yourself to make sure your child does not have those on there because if, if it is, your child may be in danger of predators who use that. Look, we stalk the predators on a lot of these apps, and we let them incriminate themselves, and we, we arrest them, and we make great cases, and we put them away. And that's, that's the same sort of app that they use to stalk our children. So we want to we want to protect the innocent, our little people. That's one thing. We want to talk about tactics and, and awareness, man. Those apps, that's, those are, are the, uh, uh, you know, predators used to go to playgrounds a lot and stalk the children. Well, they still do, but far and away, the bigger stalking grounds, really. Electronic devices. Apps, you know, electronics. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> no, I Xbox. think it's. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, all uh, super good points, Craig. Good stuff to bring up, good resources about where people can go to find or look at your website and make sure that, you know, they're aware if their children have those apps on their phones. But couldn't agree more when you do hear about this kind of stuff, um, you know, as much as, you know, you know, for Mike and I, we run a business. And so using our, our mobile devices, electronic devices is obviously you know, help folks. Obviously these things are, it's a double-edged sword where it's giving, you know, unprecedented access to our children in ways that I don't think any of us could really comprehend. So. Yeah. Yep. Hey, well, you know, if the, if the bad guys are active and they're aggressive, we've got to rise up against them. So that's, that's one way that we can do it. And, and just generally speaking for, for security around our kids, uh, Something that translates from international operations and some of the, the, the realm that I've, I've come from is, is people always have a reason for being where they are and for doing what they're doing. And if someone is hanging around where your children are, it's not inappropriate to politely uh, assert yourself and, and ascertain why they're there and why they're doing whatever they, they're doing. Why are you hanging out watching on my child's playground. Well, that's my child right there. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Thank you. Right. Uh, but if they're just a creepy stalker and they're hanging out, we need to make use of that. And uh, people usually don't have a lot of time to waste, so they don't sit across the street or they don't sit in the corner of the playground and just waiting and watching without reason. So these people need to be challenged, and they need to be uh, videoed, photographed, and license plates taken and, and uh, reported uh, when... Uh, uh, when particularly suspicious, I'll just put it that way. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, you know, in today's society also, uh, a lot of times people are really non-confrontational and nobody wants to bring anything up because they don't want to be the person to, you know, look like a, a jerk or whatever. But, you know, in this instance, like you're talking about, you know, you observe some type of, uh, you know, weird behavior with an adult that's watching children on a playground you're right. It needs to be confronted and asked about, and people shouldn't be afraid to do that. Like our, you know, I think it's great what you're talking about. Our kids are our greatest resource. They're the next generation and they're everything. And if we don't, you know, take the time to protect them, um, essentially, you know, unfortunately with all of this, you know, garbage going on that, that adults are doing to, to these children, I mean, it's, uh, ruining the next generation, which is, which is a big deal. Yeah, if you want to take over a country, you shatter the minds of its entire youth generation, and uh, and you've got it done because there will be nobody to resist you in a few years. Absolutely, uh, it's, 
acceptable to, for us to allow this uh, for multiple reasons. But look, when we want to challenge people that, that we find suspicious, we can do it the nicest way possible. We'll just go strike up a conversation with them, give them a basic greeting. Yeah. Hey, how are you? You know, sure. You know, can I sit next to you? I mean, just we don't have to be rude to people to find out what's going on. If you strike up a conversation with someone, you're going to learn. You're yeah, absolutely. You're going to get body language responses. You're going to get verbal responses. And you're going to get answers to to logical questions that you have a right to, to be able to, to ask people. So I'm not I'm not suggesting, you know, draw down on someone <laughs> and yell at them, you know, on your face, creeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, no, you're, I mean, everything we'll, we'll you're saying. Very on him, but. Yeah, no, everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. I mean, it doesn't have to be done in an aggressive manner. I mean, you can simply, like you said, people typically have a reason uh, or the why behind what they're doing. And if they're there for a specific reason, you're going to get the answers, you know, that you need to to verify if that person is supposed to be there or not. And, you know, exactly like you said, it's it's a little bit of understanding situational awareness. It's like you're not rolling up like old Tackleberry, like you said, right? But you're uh, simply asking logical questions, uh, which you know, typically if somebody is supposed to be there, you're going to get some logical answers. And so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and also Arizona is a constitutional carry state. So I encourage people to get good training so that they're proficient and safe and very, very effective at handling a firearm. Should they ever need to defend themselves or, or, or their children and, and also hand to hand. You know, uh, the combat hand-to-hand style that, that I really enjoyed and spent all, all my adult life um, training with and, and using isn't available to the public. But something that isn't radically different is, is uh, oh, why can't I say it right now, uh, Krav Maga. Right. And, you know, women and children can get that, and, it's, and it gives them confidence. It gives them practical physical means to respond to a sudden violent an attack and and i would like for people to be so situationally aware that they're that they're never surprised by a physical attack that's what i try to do is try to keep keep them from from ever having to go hands-on they can detect that threat uh earlier than that so they don't have to fight their way out but if someone should lay hands on him suddenly i like that confidence and that ability to fight back and throw the knee in the elbow and have some really brutal responses uh, that'll allow a, a, a smaller female to, to, to get a, a full-grown male off of her so that she can escape and, and get her kids out of there. So I like those things. It's not about the violence. It's about stopping the violence. It's about, you know, hey, choose someone else. Don't attack me because it's not going to work out well for you. I love for the innocent people to go home happy and safe and i love it when the when the bad guy that ruins the peace and ruins the freedom to, to end up on the short end of the stick yeah so, everybody likes a likes the the w at the end of the day where the bad guy loses and the good the good guys win for sure yeah it needs to happen more it needs to happen more and by being better prepared that's how it can happen more so, Craig, uh, now, I love that. now I know you started uh, Tactical Insider, and then you, you you did a lot of things when you left the military, including uh, being a, a federal air marshal. Trans transitioning into to the uh, the point in which you're completely a civilian and you're working in Hollywood as a consultant, what were some of the reasons that you got into consulting? Because I know, you know, me and Kurt are, are experiencing some consulting things on the side, and 
And I get the impression, you know, when it comes to like guys like you on the scene or on the set, it's improving, you know, whether it's the the look, the authenticity, or the just telling, yeah, yeah. The, the accuracy and telling the story right. What were some of your uh, um, initial incentives and, and motivations for getting to that that field? Well, it went back uh, quite a ways. When I was back at uh, DevGuru, I was I was a lead climber, and I was I was climbing with uh, some of the, the best climbers in the world. And one of the guys that was teaching us some of the mechanical hauling systems and and uh, a lot of the finer points of lead climbing was Bob Gaines. And Bob Gaines worked in Hollywood. Uh, he he taught Stallone to climb for the movie Cliffhanger and. And Bob oversaw a lot of the decelerator rigs or a lot of the high fall scenes and, and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, high level in the industry and uh, just a super nice guy. And he told me, you know, hey, Saul, you're really good at, at what you do, man. You'd make a fantastic tech advisor for some of these movies because we were talking about film and, and, and how it was disruptive to a great movie when we were in. We were lost in the fantasy and of the of the movie and we're watching it on a big screen we feel like we're there and yeah 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 and then when the actor does something silly that that's not realistic uh tactically or with a firearm it, it pulls you out of that fantasy and you lose the magic of the movie and it feels like a loss like oh man it was dumb you know that's not how it's done at <laughs> yeah. all I mean, why does <laughs> they're spending you know 30 40 80 million you know making these movies and they're and they're doing silly stuff. And so I was just musing out loud, man, and saying, well, man, I, I'd love to help. I, you know, if I could have trained that actor, he wouldn't look like that on on film, right? And that's when Bob said, you know, Craig, you ought to pursue that. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm operating. I'm at the tier one level, and I'm blowing and going. I'm going 300 days a year. I got no time to think about that. So fast forward, you know, 10 or 12 years, uh, I started getting burnt out again doing high-threat mobile security for different agencies. And I was like, okay, well, let me go see if I can do some of this tech advising. So I was, uh, notified a couple of my, my key contacts, and they started putting in some things, and I started getting responses back. And I kept wanting to push me in front of the camera, like I did all five seasons of History Channel's uh, Top Shot as the lead uh, trainer for, for, for the competitors. And I, I did three seasons of Gunny Time with Arlie Ermey and things like... Uh, Sniper Deadliest Missions and uh, Deadliest Tech Spec Ops and a lot of those tactical uh, and documentaries. And, and it was fun. And uh, I did uh, some time over in, in South Africa running uh, counter poacher operations. And, and that, it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. But I didn't. I never wanted to be in front of the camera. And I still don't. <laughs> they kept dragging you in front of it. <laughs> you know, but over the years... There have been some some high level actors, A list actors, that um, have hired me to teach them, mainly in in assassin movies and those types of roles. Like, hey, saw, I want to look like the real deal when I move and fight and shoot. You've got, you know, you can do this stuff in your sleep. Teach me how to look like a royal badass for this role, man, because I want to pull this off. You know, I'm studying my lines, I'm studying my craft. I'm good at what I do, but I don't know this, and this, and you do. I'm like, man, you've come to the right guy. Let me help. Awesome. And so we just really enjoy hanging out and becoming friends. And I keep most of their names confidential because uh, they're ongoing relationships. And we don't always agree politically uh, on things, but they're uh, good people. And we, we leave the politics aside, and we just hang out and, 
and train and let them enjoy success at their at their movie roles and, and bring a good performance for the story and uh, and kind of leave it at that. So that doesn't I'm not, I don't do that full time. That just happens a few times a year when 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 a when a big shot really's got a, a big role to tune up for. They'll they'll hire me out. We'll go spend some time together and I'll put them through all kinds of stuff and, and really tune them up. So I've enjoyed that, but most of my time now uh, overwhelmingly is spent working with federal and local law enforcement, working with teachers and trainers uh, to, to teach children how the predators stalk them and how to avoid that. And then going over to Southeast Asia and, and going uh, in, in with those NGOs and, and helping them run their operations and just building programs and looking after people and just trying to make the world a better place without sounding like some sort of goody two-shoes crusader. I mean, my, my, my dad was a really beautiful soul and he was a sincere spiritual man and I watched him just genuinely help people and I watched him change so many lives it really impacted me uh, just just through observation and all the people that would hug on my father whenever I'd come back from some high threat mission or something and SEAL teams I'd come home for vacation you know once a year once every two years and you know he was from just north of Houston Texas I'd go back home there I could not take him anywhere with people just begging him to remember the <laughs> The, the way that he'd helped their their family, and he'd gone into the prisons and the churches and on the streets and and mission field all over the world and just helped people. And I thought, man, he how much of that must he have done before he can't go anywhere without people hugging on him and thanking him? And I'm like, what a what a beautiful exemplar and an example to just follow. And and uh, you know, he wasn't a badass. He wasn't going around bashing doors and you know, knocking out bad guys. He was just loving on people, but it was making a real difference. He was changing lives, and they would give the examples. Now my aunt, my son and my my daughter have grown up, and, and they, you know, based on what you've done, they're, they're, they're shining examples, and they live in clean lives, and they've gotten through college, and they're kids of their own, and it's just on and on and on. I'm like, okay, you know what? As I, as I get older, yeah, I've been a badass. Yeah, I've been around the world. Yeah, I've faced down and, and captured some of the worst bad guys out there and put them away. But I like that idea, the older I get, of directly helping the good people, too, and not just bashing the bad guys to keep them from ruining our peace and freedom, but also spending more time with the innocent and just helping them genuinely. So that's what I've been doing, man, and it, it feels good. And it's very emotional. It's uh, it's emotional roller coaster dealing with these people, the heartbreak of what they go through, and then the the triumphs of seeing seeing them overcome it. And it's just it's just a big experience, guys. And I'm thankful to be a part of it. And the people that are working with me, uh, bless them, every one of them. So many great people. I got people from from uh, the intelligence community, from tier one level counterterrorist community, from federal law enforcement, local law enforcement. Uh, Teachers, they're invest, low, private investigators. So many, just good-hearted Americans, and even people from all over the world pitching in. And like Craig, we believe and we love what you're doing with the kids, and we want to help. And so we're all working together on this, and it's just a beautiful, concerted effort to do something that's so simple. You know that that uh, we, we just invite everybody to join us. No, yeah, it's great, uh, Craig. Obviously, you know, fantastic. I mean, it's it's truly awesome what you're doing. You know, one thing I wanted to throw in there real quick. It's kind of a resounding thing that we uh, that we've experienced doing this podcast now, and it, with a lot of veterans 
and guys, you know, guys and gals that have served their countries. And, and one of the things I think that we find is kind of a common denominator is, you know, uh, success outside of the military or service of the government usually looks like finding something to be a part of that's bigger than you. Right. And it's like, you're describing it right now. Like what better thing than to, you know, dedicate your life, uh, to helping children, um, and their families and innocent folks, um, you know, break free of the things that are going on, like you said, under a veil of secrecy that we definitely need to know about because it's unacceptable. So, uh, hats off to you, man. Awesome stuff. Craig, you know, what I'm really interested in just to pick apart a little bit, uh, as we wrap this episode up, I, you know, I'm really interested in the extrapolation of, uh, mindset and how things, um, you know, how, how you live your life and some of the, the habits that you have that, uh, you know, lead to a more resilient mindset. Because, you know, you, you, like you said, this kind of stuff takes an emotional toll and it's, it's difficult to see because you're exposed behind that veil and you see everything that uh, a lot of people shun and a lot of people turn away from because they can't face that kind of reality. What motivates yeah. you uh, on a daily basis to get up to you know tackle this mission set, which is a very difficult mission set? Um, and and what are some of the things, some of the behaviors that you've instilled in your life to make yourself more mindful, to allow yourself, um, you know, to to stay balanced? Well, I don't want to. Say, this is kind of sound like I'm a big uh, slobbering sissy here, but but I, my heart's broken, man. It is when I. <clears throat> When I see these kids, and I see the examples close up of, of what's going on, it, it really is disturbing. And so because I've got this tactical background uh, and capability, I'm not afraid of, of the scumbags and the creepers that, that abuse the children. So I've learned that predators prey upon the weak. And you guys know that as well as I do. I think that's pretty much common knowledge. And I find that when you go at the bad guys, they they panic and they they run, and I am not afraid for that reason. I have I've, I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten the world's wealth, I guess, of, of tactical training and experience. And uh, man, I can fight, I can shoot, and I've got all the the spook skills. If you want to uh, put it under that banner in the intelligence community and the covert uh, realm and, and all of that, and so the bad guys fear that because I'm better at it than they are. And so I have that strength, but it's also without sounding like a, I'm I'm not a, um, I'm no saint. I'm just a regular guy, but I did have a spiritual uh, example to follow in my father. And I am motivated by that. It it was really a genuinely a beautiful example. And I think striving to contribute more of what he did is really the, 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 the biggest motivator other than just not being able to turn away from the kids. I know that the bad guys are after the kids. I've made myself privy to how big the scale is. And I, for one, cannot look away. Uh, but, but I'm not one, one of those that's going to be turning away. And so I've just got to pull up my pants every day and go, you know what? Uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to defend the defenseless. And it takes different forms all the time. Like I said, there's the educational. Some of this is not very uh, uh, violent or dangerous in its appearance, but but it's preventing that. And one way or another, everything that I do prevents predators from harming the innocent. So I just set about 
with that in the front of my mind, going, hey, I want to do a good thing, and I'm not afraid. And I, I believe that uh, I've got protection at the highest level uh, due to my father's example. I believe it's right. And, and my wife, back just to take a little snapshot from the past, when I was running operations uh, at the Tier 1 level, my wife said, well, what if something happens to you early on when we were uh, just dating, when she's just getting to know me? And I said, well, it's not tragic to die doing what you love, what you believe in. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. And if I die carrying out my life's mission, that has to be okay with everybody that knows me. If you know me, you know that I've got to do what I've got to do, and it should not feel tragic. It, it, it is what it is. And she's like, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. So she's yeah. always going to see me in that light. Yeah, you know, uh, great examples, man, of uh, of what it's like to, like you said, basically, you know, you know, strap it up and you know, jump up and and go take it head on. And you know, like you said, you have all the capabilities on in the world, um, and not afraid to take on these bad guys. Uh, it's awesome, man. Truly, truly awesome. So. You know, Craig, uh, as we, you know, as we talk about wrapping up uh, this podcast, I want to give people that listen to us the opportunity uh, to be able to find you um, and where they can find you on the web, uh, what you've got going on on social media, how they can help, how they can get involved, how we can remove the veil of secrecy of what's going on. We can help kids. We can help defend the innocent. Uh, but, but give us a, give us the, you know, where you're at, where the social media is at, where you're at on the web so people can learn more and they can get involved. Yeah, man. Well, I think my biggest platform is, is Facebook and that's, I'm Craig Sawman Sawyer on Facebook. Okay. And I think there's uh, like 175,000 followers there. Awesome. Uh, I think it's Craig R. Sawyer on Twitter, and I believe it's the same on Instagram. Okay. And uh, and then uh, they can find me on, on LinkedIn for professional uh, contacts there. And I think that's about it. Where are you at? So, so the foundation itself, are you guys running a website with the foundation? Because you said before uh, that there was yeah, a... That is, yeah, that is the word VET, V-E-T-S, and the numeral four childrescue.org so again that's vets for childrescue.org awesome craig hey i appreciate you coming on today i know you're a busy man doing a lot of good in the world and we appreciate you coming on you know i, I just want to thank you personally you know we're vets ourselves but thank you for your service and thank you for your selfless commitment after the fact because it you know for people who uh, have served that that purpose and that selfless service it never ends it's it's always ongoing and it's a true um you know it's a true testament to you and your your mission statement right now uh and what good you're doing in the world you know based on your father exa father's example and that i appreciate you having being on the podcast today thanks craig well, yeah well thank you guys and look and, and you're living that out by by giving back to people through fieldcraft survival you're you're training and empower and empowering people with the knowledge uh, through what you're doing as well. So thank you guys, not only for your military service, but what you're doing now and for your support in our mission and helping us get the word out, man, because we can't fight what we don't know. So getting the word out is, is key. And I appreciate you guys genuinely. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. Thank you.